What's up, everybody? On this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we discuss the last dance and everything that's Michael Jordan, the do's, the don'ts, and the nuances that took place in the last two episodes. And we also talk about college football. Will there be games being played? And if so, will there be fans or no fans? So make sure you tune in to this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. Today is Wednesday, May 6, 2020, day 1042 of this quarantine of people staying in the crib. It's been a long time. Folks are really just trying to get out. Folks in Jersey is acting a fool in parks and shooting up people in Jersey City. I saw that video. <laughs> Pretty crazy. I didn't anyway, see that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. You got to Google that. Nah, I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> it was about a week or two ago. Uh, dude was acting a little bit crazy. He just got himself, he just got himself off. But, you know, we're not here to talk about those sort of things. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, coronavirus is here and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. People are getting frustrated and it's nice to come out once a week and we can sit here and discuss what little bit of sports there there are right you know out there right now. But anyway, you know, fellas, tell everybody how you doing and what you guys been doing with your quarantine self. <laughs> well, since I'm working, I can stay stay from becoming a day drinker and uh <laughs> and really messing myself up. So thankful for a job. Uh working is what week eight and um just patiently waiting. For when we can move around just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, same. And I need that to happen because these kids are driving me crazy right about now. Um, I, but other than that, I am thankful um, that right now health is is okay right now. So thankful for that. So, um, but ready to get started. Talk about the world of sports or lack yes. thereof. <laughs> yes. Lack. Yes. <laughs> so all the buzz is about the last dance and episodes five and six and i will be brutally brutally honest and blunt and say i fell asleep on both episodes so i can chime in on what i can chime in on but i will definitely take you guys' lead on that to kind of guide us through what was all uh discussed so uh uh i forget oh so um, episode five was about the uh the marketing and the jordan shoe i believe and the marketing and all that good stuff and the um, dream team. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, Isaiah Thomas. So what do you guys think? I mean, obviously, I know, was it Adidas? Adidas is kicking themselves right now for passing up on Jordan? <laughs> well, they didn't pass, per se. They just, they basically said at the time they didn't have anything to really, you know, I guess money or anything to promote with them. So, wasn't like they just kind of passed them. They just said we just we just couldn't do anything with them at the moment. Mm. But my thoughts about that is, I say this: um, everyone is saying that. Oh, as far as Isaiah Thomas not being on the dream team, Jordan saying that he didn't say Isaiah Thomas not being on the dream team, even though when you start that episode and you're talking about the dream team, he says. Is um, Thomas going to be in there? Isaiah Thomas going to be in there? Like, jokingly, like, if he is, I ain't. And then he goes to talk about how, no, 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 it wasn't me that said for him not to be on there. And and there was, quote, unquote, other people there. I'm like, look, if people just didn't want him on there for chemistry issues, then just say it. I mean, outside of Jordan, and I'll be, I can be completely blunt, you know, I don't like a bunch of quiet bitches out there. <laughs> If y'all didn't want to be on the squad, just come out and say it. We didn't want to be on the squad. Bird, if you didn't want them, you know, Magic, Scotty, you know, Malone, whomever said it. If y'all just said we just didn't want him to be on the squad on the squad because of chemistry issues, then just come out and say it. But no one's saying nothing, but everybody knows, you know, you know, I'm not going to say there was a, a huge campaign, but certain individuals didn't want to be on the squad. And if Jordan is saying that, you know, he's, quote, unquote, the second, you know, greatest point guard next to, you know, Magic Johnson. 
you might not have said you didn't want to be on the squad, but if you said Isaiah Thomas needs to be on the squad, he would have been on that squad. So, I mean, well, who, would they, who, who would they have left off? Leitner? Stockton. Yes, I was just about to say that. And let me even go even deeper about that. If it was Scotty Pippen, who was one of the people saying he shouldn't be on there, guess what, Scotty? If what's for Dominique Wilkins blowing out his ACL that season, he, not you, <laughs> would have been on that dream team. So yeah. let's call a real spade a spade. But outside of that, I thought it was, um, I guess, the – they went to the marketing aspect of the, of the dream team. Some good stories about them playing cards at the end of the night. Him, Mike, Magic, Barkley, and um, Scottie Pippen. A lot of money on the table. Um, talking about the shoe deals and how, you know, you know, Mike became Air Jordan. You know, so it was interesting to see sort of the backstories and the backgrounds of all the stuff going on. Um like I said, what's the whole lot that we did or didn't really know, per se? There was an interesting story that he did mention when, I guess, he played um, in the Garden last time. He wore, like, the shoes that he played the first time he played at the Garden, like the first Jordans. And he said his feet was killing him to the point that when he took off his sneakers, his feet was bloody. But um, but he didn't want to take them off. But he still dropped, uh, what, 30-plus that game? I dropped 55. I thought he dropped somewhere in the 50s. Uh, his comeback game was a double nickel, but I don't know if that last game at uh, the Garden was 50-plus. Was mm-hmm. But like I said, it's interesting how, you know, you, you see the stories and a lot of things you heard over the years. Uh, wasn't really much new information, but it just shows the competitive spirit that, you know, Jordan wanted to win at all costs. And he liked calling people out. And he would take the slightest, you know, the slightest diss and he would just come at you, especially Kraus. Kraus liked um, Tony Kukoc. Him and Scotty Pippen went after him in the, um, in the Olympics. Right, remember that. Mm-hmm. Jerry Kraus said he liked Dan Marley because uh, he thought he was a good defender. And just because, you know, Kraus said he liked Dan Marley, Jordan abused him <laughs> in that last finals. So Mike was just a very vindictive person out there. I mean, he he took the, sl- you know, the little slight and turned it into something big as motivation. So. But all we seem to start at Jerry Krause and end with Jerry Krause. I guess what it all boiled down to is uh, Mike was like, you ain't messing with my team. So. Yeah, that's I, – I, yeah, I took a lot from that. Um, first things first, um, I agree with you, Smooth, in regards to this whole Isaiah Thomas dream team scenario um to be honest you can't tell me that you're saying that jokingly and then now all of a sudden Isaiah Thomas is not on the dream team like you really have to own up to it and you're not owning up to it you know this at this stage what's the point I mean you got nothing to lose like even if to be honest I'd rather hear from all the other members of the dream team um because I want to hear if this is confirmed or what, because this is just one side of the story. Of course, I say is now speaking his side, of course, but I would rather hear from like Scotty Pippen. And I'm very curious to hear what their thoughts are. Like, yeah, we, 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 we I wish somebody would come out and just say, yeah, we, we left Isaiah off. I mean, at the stage, I mean, cause they didn't want him on in. So we didn't, you know, we didn't bring him aboard. I, I would rather hear that. Cause I'm not saying Isaiah needs closure, but, it will settle the once and for all. Um, right. I, I, I agree. The dream team, I, I really, the one interesting thing about it was I, I kind of, the dream team, I didn't know was that they were that competitive, um, especially during practice, um, which in turns was, I guess, a blessing in disguise because they really took the time to get to know each other better and had to build that chemistry up for them to win all in the Olympics. So I thought that was very interesting. Kind of felt sorry for Christian Leitner because he got left on the sidelines while everybody else is running full practices and running hard at each other. You know, Christian Leitner is just like chilling, just like, you know, like I can't even get in. 
um, during practice. But the whole thing with Magic and Michael going back and forth in practice, I thought was very entertaining. Like, to be honest, I would have loved to see that during an all-star game when they're playing seriously um, instead of just doing, like, the the minimum stuff. Um, it would be much more easy, much more entertained. Uh, but Yeah, that's probably better than many of the all-star games, just that practice or those practices. Yeah, yeah, that, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it, you know, from what I saw, it looks like the practices, they was really going at each other hard and talking back. Like, that's what is missing sort of speak in the game of basketball sometimes because everybody's so buddy buddy like there's really like nobody's like yo i'm he came at me i'm going back at him um also thought that the funny incident with um michael jordan and steve kerr um with the fight um i thought that was hilarious when kerr was talking about you know hey it, it takes a minute for me i'm usually a calm guy and it takes a minute you know but getting punched like in the face i thought that was like very intense. Well, so that's why I fell asleep. Did, did Steve Kerr bit it? So, yeah, I mean, he was saying that they were kind of, you know, going back at a little bit, and Jordan was basically, I guess, just trying, you know, shit on him, and he just couldn't take it anymore, and just he hit Jordan in the chest, and Jordan hauled off and clocked him in the grill, and uh, Phil threw him out of practice. So he just said he just had enough and just yeah, because what he said was because of the practices were like so intense, and um, he was saying that during the practice, like Phil Jackson started calling like chippy fouls on him um, during the practice, and he was just getting more upset about it. Um, and of course, Steve Kerr was guarding him. He didn't, you know, that was his. I think it was his rookie year into the or his first year with the Bulls at the time um, when they when this happened. So. Like, Kurt didn't know that much. You know, he's just trying to, you know, do his thing. And lo and behold, it got to that point. So, I mean, I, I thought that was pretty entertaining, um, especially with Kurt trying to explain it. He was like, yeah, usually I'm a, you know, I'm a cool, calm guy. Don't take much for me. But, I mean, usually I'm calm. But, and you know, I, I could be patient as much. But, you know, at that time I was just – it was just, you know, when the the, train, the intensity comes into play. And I was just sitting here listening like, yeah, he was like, yo, I wasn't expecting that, <laughs> bottom line. He was like, I was not expecting that. But overall, I digress. The overall thing with The Last Dance is that hopefully young people get to see how it is to be competitive in the game of basketball. You don't always have to be buddy-buddy. Um, in The Last Dance, it showed, for the most part, that if you could be competitive enough – how great your success could be if you stay focused on what you want you're trying to accomplish in the game of basketball. And, you know, a lot of people, we get to the point where we have AAUs and everybody wants to be everybody's team and stuff like that. And Michael Jordan in this whole series showed right off the bat that he didn't really need to be a teammate with everybody. You know, if I'm going after you, I'm going after you no matter if it's in practice, in the games, I'm going after you. And obviously all it took was a little bit to get him motivated. Mm -hmm. So I think that was the littlest thing. Exactly. So I think that, you know, because I remember, I think I recall when they were saying, like, they had him even run with the second squad um, when, like, the first squad, when he ran with his starters, his teammates, um, they were up and then – Phil Jackson would have him have him go play with the second squad and bring, you know, have him play with the second squad while they're down. So, like, those little things that motivated him, uh, that's something that, again, young people need to see and show that, you know, you can be very competitive to get to the point where you want to be. You can't just be easygoing and accept everybody as your friend and teammate. Like, sometimes you got to go after the best players and play against the best players to become better than where you are. So would you say Jimmy Butler is this in that in that attitude wise is the uh the modern day Michael Jordan? Skill set wise, no. Mentality. Mentality. I, he's close to it. Okay. He's close yeah, to from, it. Yeah, from back from that genre, I mean I mean Colby in my opinion was the was the almost like the carbon copy of him. Um in the way he, you know, you know, treated, you know, teammates in practice. You know, people said he hated it and they hated being on the squad. It was virtually the same way to Mike. I mean, everyone loves Mike, but them practices, and now you're starting to hear it. Those practices are brutal. I mean, he didn't care. And 
and he and his at least for some of those players he was trying to say that you know and i kind of find it ironic how they were talking about getting roughed up by the pistons he was talking about getting his team you know mentally tough because they were going up against new york knicks who were rough players and so now you're complaining about getting beat up and roughed up by the pistons but you want to rough up your own teammates to be prepared for the New York Knicks. So, I mean, he knew what it took. I mean, the Knicks brought it. I mean, just like the Pistons, maybe he didn't have the same finesse, but they brought it. Yeah, yeah, that series where they showed the Knicks with John Starks with the Duncan game game two. Ah, I remember that day. <laughs> I remember being in my parents' house in my room and I'm screaming and I call I call our boy B. <laughs> And I'm like, yo, B, you see that duck? We over there screaming on the phone and whatnot. And then I saw that duck again. <laughs> and then I realized that they got swept after that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, boy, I tell you, well, that's the highlight. <laughs> and then they had to bring up Charles Smith. I was like, oh, I know he was sitting there watching it. Like, why, why, why you had to bring me up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, you know what? And for me, he will go down as probably one of the most hated Knicks just off of that um, appearance alone. <laughs> I'm like, why did that dude then go up strong and try to dump it like a man who got fouled? <laughs> yeah. But I tell you what, though, if that was – you have the same play now, that's like four fouls already, and they were just, you know, swiping at the ball, and, and it was getting ball and hand and arm, no fouls. Mm-hmm. Now, foul. Right. Oh, they blowing them too hard. That's a foul. Yeah. Foul. <laughs> you mean that last Stevenson type blow? Yeah, yes, that's been a foul. <laughs> that'd have been a technical. <laughs> With Robin, that would have been a T. The guy kicked out. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if today's basketball players could ever adapt it to that style of play back in the in the nineties, man. Ooh, that's the basketball I remember. That's the basketball I love. You know. And and I could appreciate going back to the last week where Bill Lambert was like, yeah, I'd do it and I'd do it again. <laughs> Bunch of whiny pusses, that's what they are. <laughs> he said, I did it and I don't care about it. I don't take nothing back. It is what it is. Right. Like it or don't like it. You got to respect a man like that. That's, that's <laughs> straight up no regrets right there. <laughs> but you know what? The one thing I am interested in seeing that let's say <clears> – <throat> hypothetically down the road that NBA does play games without fans. Do you think it'd be any much more trash talking and a little more intense if you don't have any fans in the stadium and you're just guys playing like you're actually playing in the gym like on the weekends or with your boys like out, you know, out on the street? Do you think it'd be a little bit more intense and so much more trash talking than you get now? Because you ain't got any fans to really listen to. Well, you got fans to see you, but you ain't got any kids or anybody right there. I mean, you might kind of see nobody there and kind of just, you know, don't give a fuck. The TV executives won't allow that. <laughs> and, the, and that's <laughs> a shame because, trust me, if you let them really get real intense, I think you'll get a better product. Now, I could see ESPN doing it, but – I just don't see like ABC, the, the you know, the usual networks doing something like that. Um, unless there's some type of delay. Yeah. Could you imagine them actually televising those practices for the dream team? Whoo. That would have been must see. That would have been must see TV. I'm surprised the ESPN hasn't tried to get it. <laughs> They're probably <laughs> trying. They're probably still trying. You're right. You're right. We'll pay you two bit two bits on the dollar for that. <laughs> <laughs> Not one bit, but two bits. <laughs> you know, everybody crying. I mean, I would love to uh, to get some insight. You know, what I mean, it was gosh. That's why they go down as the greatest team ever assembled. <laughs> I love it. That was, all, that was an all that was an all time cheat code for you. <laughs> You got every good available player. Well, hold on, hold on. So when uh, Vince Carter dunked on Frank Weiss, was that not a uh, was that team not memorable? <laughs> no, no. The highlight was memorable. Yeah, 
the highlight will go down as probably one of the best dunks of all time. And Kevin Garnett's look when that dunk went down <laughs> is even more memorable than the dunk. You <laughs> look. <laughs> and third on top of that, the, the Frank Weiss never came to the NBA after that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he was like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I'm still here to keep playing. Oh, man, he got embarrassed on national TV. Global TV. No, national global. <laughs> yeah, that was global. Uh, to be honest, uh, like I said, that will go down as probably one of the most, the best dunks. Um, of all time, at least in my opinion. Um, I know people have others, but without question, one of the best. If, if Ja would have got over Kevin Love, would that have would that have played Ja Morant would have ducked over Kevin Love? No. T- top three, but no. 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 Between, I, I mean, all jokes all aside, between, and this is just my opinion, um, the Vince Carter dunk, of course, without question, is up there. Um, and the DeAndre Dort, um, dunk over Brandon Knight will ever iconically go down. Nah. Uh, you I really? Take, I would take that one out and do the uh, Vince Carter over um, Alonzo Mourning. Yeah. When he looked like he yeah, elevated I, a little extra step and just, like, paused in the air and then just uh, flushed it on him. All right. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that, if we're going to do this, um, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. Take that DeAndre Jordan out. I get it. I will put that there, but that won't be my second one. My second one is Sean Kemp one. That Ooh, will be the best. The point? <laughs> yes. That, that is always going to be the top two. That's going to be between Vince Carter and Sean Kemp. Those two dunks is going to be, in my opinion, the top two dunks of all time. Does, does John Starks get an honorable mention being that he was like 6'2", 6'3", and dunked over three bulls? <sighs> it wasn't no real contact. It was sort of like – it was almost like how the, how the – um. Jordan did a spin around and he dunked, but he didn't really dunk on you and you and just kind of jumped in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked worse than what it really is when you kind of slow it. Eh. Nah. Yeah, ESPN called that dunk like one of the top 10 dunks ever by Jordan. I was like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, of course it. No, it was, oh, I'm about to say Craig Elo. The one that he, um, I think it was a Keith Cleveland Cavalier center that he dunked on or somebody that he just. This was early in his early in his playing days. <laughs> Who didn't Jordan dunk on his question? <laughs> yeah. No, nah, to be honest, I even put Scotty's dunk over Patrick over that over um Scotty. I didn't like that too much. <laughs> that was ready to fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shaq and Jerry Dudley. Not Jared Dudley. Yeah, Dudley oh, from the Chris Knicks. Dudley. Chris Dudley. What he threw the ball at him. <laughs> <laughs> he pushed him down after him. Like, ah. <laughs> Chris Dudley's like, the hell do you think you are? That, that's the most humiliating duck I have I've seen <laughs> in my life. Chris the Dudley, most who are you? <laughs> <laughs> that was disrespectful. Viciously dug Donald, then pushed him to the ground. <laughs> He gets up, mm, do the ball. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that was that? bad. That that was bad. <laughs> the throwing of the ball was the was the ice on the cake. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, today, that's for a man that got ducked on that viciously. He he came around. He came out. Scott looking like a fat rat with the way the Knicks paid him handsomely. Tell you about the Knicks just gifted money away <laughs> to a lot of folks. So we're getting up, but we're getting off, off track on that one. <laughs> yeah, we definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, but real quick though, um, because in the midst of all this with the last dance and everything, um, Charles Barkley, um, who for whatever reason doesn't get that much credit, um, right now there's, uh, I guess there's a spat between him and Draymond Green, um, because Draymond don't consider. I mean, I guess Barkley says something, Draymond said something and returns to um, Barkley doesn't have any rings and see him when he has on a championship ring, blah, 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 blah. So it sparked a whole debate that um, Draymond is just the subject of being on a team that won championships and he would never lace Charles Barkley's shoes with the stats um, that Charles Barkley did in comparison to what Charles Barkley did when he was in the NBA. So 
let me get you, let me I, I just quick question in that regards like what do you think in regards to today's current players like calling people out that doesn't necessarily need to be called out like you've seen it before like with Damien uh, with um with litter versus Shaq um and you saw how well that turned out um and so all these some of these new players that's out there new stars um calling out some, you know people of the olden days or not olden days but you know um hall of famers in that regards um do you see it like is there ever going to get to a point where people are going to have to respect the past in a sense in the nba i think i think those in the 90s respected the past of the the players from the you know the seventies and early eighties, in the late eighties, but I, I I don't see. I don't see how. These cats now think they you know they shit don't stink. But I'm like y'all wouldn't be crap if you had to play in the era back then, where you know hand checks were legal, forearms were legal. <laughs> Hell, you could might as well clothesline somebody in that joint wasn't going to get you kicked out the game. <laughs> you know, how would Dame, how would Dame react if he was getting clothesline coming down the middle by the bad boy Pistons or the, or the New York Knicks with Mason and Xavier Daniels, where you, you just wasn't coming down the middle like that. Hell, even Ewan would knock you on your ass. <laughs> they <Yeah>. didn't care. <laughs> and you had a, you had a lot of the morning and, and in Miami, you had Dikembe out in Denver. <laughs> you just wasn't coming down the middle on nobody. Now it's like playing Olay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you get the corner, like by all means, go ahead and dunk the ball. <laughs> it wouldn't. I the only t- the only person or, or the only handful of people I think that might have been able to adapt to that style of play. Maybe LeBron definitely just because of his body type. And the way he can play the game, if he so choose to play the game, when he puts his head down and go to the basket, maybe Dwayne Wade, maybe. Um, and then I don't see too many other players. Maybe maybe the Greek freak, just because he's just a, his body physique and the way he plays and his he doesn't. You don't think so? Nah. Okay, okay. Um, so do you at least agree with the first two? <laughs> Dwayne Wade, yes. Who else you said? LeBron. <laughs> I, I don't know. And I think that's what made Kobe tough because kind of Kobe grew up in that style of play. And his style had to kind of adapt to how soft it became towards the end of his career. You know, like like players like AI, um, and a bunch of those smaller players back in the day that were fearless and would still drop 20 and 30 points on you in the game, they'd be killing it right now in today's NBA. You couldn't tell me AI wouldn't be a god if he played today's style of uh, basketball. Because he didn't even give a damn. You could, he would go in there, you could knock his ass down, and he'll turn around and come right back and dare you and try to dunk on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, well, I'll tell you one thing. I... Reggie Miller will have a field day in this league. <laughs> oh. Him and Ray Allen, as is as is constructed now. But to go back to your point, Al, I yeah, I think you know at least with football, um, the guys has always seem to show great respect to the players that came before them. That's true. Um, you know, you never hear anybody really come out of pocket hardly about anybody that's played in those errors um, because they know the game has changed, but it is still a very violent sport then than it is now. Maybe not as violent, but there's still, you know, that sense of violence. So no one, I don't think disrespects them. I think they give them more respect back then to be able to do what they did and play as long as they did, you know, with everything they had to deal with right now in the NBA, it just seems like a very lack of respect. I mean, Draymond Green, popping off at at Barkley. No, he not even in Barkley's lead. I mean, can he get envy? All right, you take you take Draymond Green and put him on another squad. And if he can get MVP the way that Barkley got MVP in the same time frame of Jordan when it was questionable whether Jordan should have got that MVP, 
then he has something to talk about. Yeah, you got your three championships. You were an integral part of that squad, but you wasn't the one that got him there. I mean, it was KD that got them last two. And um, it was the the team itself that got you that, you know, that that first one. And maybe you was because you lost the second one, you lost your coup. Who knows? But yeah, I do feel that's, I'm not going to say all of them, but there's a lot of them that show a very, you know, disrespect towards the players that came before them. Um, not the ones that came within the last maybe five to 10 years that have gone, but at least the people like in that, you know, you know, early nineties, middle nineties era and back, you know, except for a few people like, you know, Jordan and Kobe and, and Bert and, Bird is funny because a lot of people are getting real lukewarm on Bird these days, but I agree. It's, I don't know. It's, you know, respect your elders. <laughs> yeah. Bird was, a, Bird was a beast back then, too. He played in that tough, uh, that tough uh, style of play. And Bird would kill a lot of these players that are playing right now. Man, stroke was so sweet. <laughs> crazy yeah this is what we're living in right now um but (laughs) but i i think that with the last dance it definitely shows that there's a different way of doing things and i mean a lot of people respect what he's done um what jordan's done and to be honest to tell a story of how competitive and even in practice i think it's a telling sign um and that's something that like I said before, that young players should get that mentality of. Um, so many times we play like sports and stuff and just give out participation rewards and stuff like that still to this day. And, you know, to see something where you're really working hard every day to go after something that you wanted to do since you, you know, wanted to be in the NBA and continue to work hard. Just because you make it in the NBA doesn't mean that you're set. You know, you still got to do the put in the work. You still have to put in the practice to do what's necessary for you to stay in the league. And I think a lot of people don't realize that nowadays, especially in, in generations like now. So, mm-hmm. But I digress. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, uh, did we miss anything? I don't know. I don't think we touched on episode six, not that I remember. Six is basically about their run to their last championship and then some of the gambling. Um, Oh, okay. I guess what's supposed to be blunt? Does Jordan have, at the time, did Jordan have a problem? Or was it just his competitive nature just drove him to be the type of person he was and caused him to put money up the way he did? I kind of find it funny the fact that they're using that as a, a way of a cop out, so to speak. You know, technically, yes, his competitive nature did end up giving him, um, had him continue to do, um, to gamble more. Um, but it's still a gambling addiction. It's, I mean, just because your competitive nature brought you to it doesn't mean that it's still it's not that's just what it is it's not a competitive nature if you continue to gamble then it's a gambling addiction i at least that's how i see it uh i mean i for me personally i just thought that that's what he had it was more of an addiction i mean he was competitive to so you're telling me that he was competitive with money isn't that what part of it is in gambling i think what it is is the fact that he's Michael Jordan and he can gamble and he could drop 50 or 60. And that's to us, that's like dropping what is considered to be the deed of our house, which is worth about two or 300 grand. You know what I'm saying? And he could lose that and he'd be like, all right, whatever. I just go make 60, 65,000 or a hundred thousand tomorrow for some sort of endorsement. You know, he lose the day he'll get back twofold tomorrow where we lose the day we suffer for the rest of our life. No, but I get that. But if I'm gambling a dollar and I keep gambling a dollar and a dollar a day, it's still kind of an addiction, though, isn't it? 
I mean, it's not my competitive nature to gamble with one dollar every day. But that, but then that's considered people playing a lotto. I mean, I guess, I guess that would be considered an addiction. But if the motherfuckers win, then they win. <laughs> congratulations! Yeah, I can't I knock that. <laughs> I know it's a fine line because I mean, at the one end, you know, like he said, he liked to gamble, just like Barfy said, they like to, you know, gamble with, um, with money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think his overall competitive spirit, you know, wanting to win at everything, whether it's you know playing cards, if. You you went in the pot, you know, he doesn't want you to leave until he gets a chance to win his money back or, you know, whether you're on a golf course and you're playing, you know, $1,000 a hole or five grand to the person nearest to the hole, stuff like that. You know, you just put money on anything. I mean, very a very fine line. I mean, um, I guess the way that he, the way that he was conducting himself with gambling um, raised a lot of questionable eyebrows that people are saying that if you lose out a lot of money and you owe some people some money and he did you know could that lead to shaving a, you know points in the game here you know making sure that spread doesn't cover over there um it's been questions whether or not the gambling you know was anything in relation to his father's passing or it definitely has something to do with him taking his hiatus from basketball no matter how they're going to try to frame it, if they're going to frame it like that in the next episodes, because it's going to deal with him retiring the first time mm-hmm. and going off and playing baseball, where you know a lot of people have said that he was quietly asked by David Stern to take some time off and get his uh, house in order, and then you can come back. Um. I think, wasn't it when the Knicks went up 2-0, he went gambling with his dad in Lang City? I think that's what they said. Yeah, now that I don't necessarily have a problem with. Um, I mean, he just, they were down 0-2, and he was hearing all the talk about his quote-unquote gambling issues or other stuff. They were being down 0-2, so he said he just went to Atlantic City with his dad. They said, let's just get away, just get out, have some fun. They drove down, like, in the middle of the day. He said they were back in the hotel room by, like, 12.30, you know, and that was pretty much about it. Took a limo down Atlantic City from New York, came right back. Like a, like some most people would do, like, hey, let's go down and, you know, have fun, blow off some steam, you know, play some games, and they came back. Right, right. Well, that's what happens when you got celebrity status. Yeah. Just, just be thankful there was no such thing as social media then, you know, back then, where it really could have blew, blew up the spot. Yeah, could you imagine social media just off of the last dance itself? With everything that was going on, um, their days against the Pistons, their days with practicing, the dream team, all that. Um, with Jerry Krause and Sky Pippen going back and forth. Like, that would have been crazy. I don't know if we talked about this being that because it was more so the, uh, the scandalousness of Michael Jordan. But can we just dabble into the, quickly, you know, with it for five minutes or so? talk about his infidelities with his wife. Um, the whole thing with him getting married because, exactly, with him getting married because of the, uh, him getting, uh, I can't even think of her first name, um, getting pregnant. And I guess because he was thinking about his image, figured that he, he should marry her before they had the first baby just so that he could say he didn't have a kid out of wedlock. Ironically, to think that's how he thought about that back in the 80s versus now. These players were like, whatever, if I have a kid out of wedlock, so be it. It's not going to stop me from getting any endorsement deals. It's interesting how 35 years kind of changes the way things are perceived, especially when you're trying to be the top basketball player. But bigger than that, I thought it was real interesting when Jordan's ex-wife finally decided that enough was enough and she hired a private investigator to go out there and see what was good. But then what really got Jordan hot water was all the other players' wives having private private investigators following the husbands and finding Jordan on on the husband, the other players' uh, tapes is what was the real nail in the coffin. <laughs> I just thought that was like crazy. Like, then it makes me wonder like, how common is it for basketball wives to have private investigators out there following their husbands? Um, probably very common now. It's common. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
if that's the case, if that's how I got to live, why am I getting married? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, why am I getting married as an athlete? You know why? <laughs> like you said, because some people have the like the values of, you know, I do want to start a family, stuff like that, and may have that mindset at the beginning stage. Like, you know, you have people that married their longtime girlfriends um who or girlfriends that they had in college or whatever the case may be in high school whatever and you know that's their goal that's their plan and you know but then once that nba lifestyle kicks in where you're going from city to city you're you know hotel to hotel you know pretty sure that when you come to town there's going to be somebody you know let's see what we get into your boys your teammates are going to be like, yo what we getting into we going to the we going to the clubs what are we going to do um and that's how that lifestyle kicks off. And to be honest, um, I forgot, was it? Yeah. As a matter of fact, when Jordan first came into the league and um, he was talking about as a rookie, when he was a rookie um, and he went into, um, I guess, the other team. There was, he was looking for the other teammates and stuff like that. And he um, went into the room and they had, everything was going on, like the drugs and the girls and everything like that. He didn't want to stay. He bounced. He was like, yo, I can't, I can't be here. I got, I'm, you know, I want to get ready for this game. So he bounced and just, you know, was doing whatever. He didn't want to hang with that crowd. So, you know, it's a lot of things that goes on. The lifestyle is real out there. And, you know, sometimes you can get caught up in that. And it's all about, you know, whether you can, if whether you allow it to happen or you don't. And to be honest, there's out there, I mean, I'm pretty sure, not saying all, but I'm pretty sure that there are some wise that knew that this lifestyle was going to happen eventually. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up, Ace, because, you know, you know, you know, I mean, it's common before that, you know, of all the episodes, you know, his ex-wife, not even a mention. Right. Brother, parents, college coaches, friends. His ex-wife or his kids at this point has not even been even uh, not even referred to by anybody else. Right. Right. But that is kind of funny that, you know, it wasn't, you know, I knew about the private investigator that, you know, she put on him. But it's funny that the other players, wives, investigators, <laughs> you know, stumbled upon him. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but it's but it's like the blatant. It's it's almost like he didn't give a damn. You know what I'm saying? Like it's interesting during the the episode where they talk about when they first got married, it took them about two years to work out the prenup. It's almost like it was a foregone conclusion. Like, look, you coming in here with nothing, you gonna come out even though she came out like a fat rat because of all of the infidelity that you know that he took that he did along the way. But I'm just like And a good lawyer. Yeah, true. Man, you know, I, I just thought I, I just find that to be real interesting that you know Jordan just had a real nonchalant attitude. You know, granted he played a he played a he played a a good role, I guess, or he he put up a facade to say that he was this this great figure, the great family man, or whatever. But behind you know behind the scenes. And it just goes to show if Jordan was in today's time, would he be a scumbag? <laughs> He'd be a great basketball player, but would he be a scumbag? Because think about how they think about how they vilified Kobe. Even for that one incident that he had, just one. Well, he got vilified more so because he had a case that came came against him. Um, yes. um you take away the case and it's just him, you know some random chicks i don't think it would be that to that extent but was i'm I'm saying let's let's put the social media aspect into it because i think kobe even social media wasn't that the height of social media wasn't that big when kobe got caught out there but social media still exists uh the stardom would have probably been able to kind of you know you know cover him to a certain degree even, even with jordan i mean it would have been like yeah that's kind of stuff happens i mean you knew about it. Some people knew about it. Even some of the whites were okay with that. I mean, it was, like I said, it wasn't the, the, all the infidelities in my opinion. It was just the case that Kobe caught. Mike was doing this stuff. 
but it was Mike. If if anybody came out about it. even, I put it to you like this. At the time when Tiger Woods' whole thing came about, he had the one chick and he paid her a million dollars or whatever not to talk. It wasn't the one that made him look bad. It wasn't even the two that made him look bad. But when you get to like four plus, I think most most people would have overlooked the one, two, even three. But once you get past high three, that's when everybody was like, whoa. And then it got to like... I think some of the girls are just trying to get a, a quick payday. I don't think the numbers was as big as it is, but once you're starting to get past like four up and then you, you seem like you're a serial, whatever, then yeah. But, and also white. Um, if this was Juanita with Mike and Mike had three or four girls, then no. But you will probably see Juanita on Real Housewives. Oh, no, he did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on some reality TV show, Basketball Wives or something like that. Right, right, right. You know, craziness. But one thing I will say is, um, at least with The Last Dance, it does, I think it humanizes Mike more to some people who might not have known all this stuff about him because, you know, he was Air Jordan, yes. He was Space Jam, yes. You know, he was a commercial to be like Mike, but he was also this other figure that was, pretty brutal and mean to some of his teammates to some other players just because a certain person liked you um and you know he he always wasn't a nice guy but you also saw in just what kind of a bubble he lived in i mean where he couldn't go out he couldn't do this he couldn't do that once he got to a certain status his personal life was just like going and he had to be on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because he was in front of the camera. Now you take those instances, and we see now, Mike wasn't always that, that, that nice of a guy. It makes sense, you know. Somebody, what do you say that you know? You wish you were Mike for a day or for a week. He's like, how about you be me for a year? He said, I guess you, I guarantee you won't like it so much. Like when he was doing that commercial shoot, he was sitting in that chair, and they just kept saying, "Cut," and his demeanor just went from here to here to like. Blah, 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 blah. And they kept saying cut, and he was just he just seemed more and more agitated every time he would have to start over and do it again. I can only imagine having to be that type of person living and you know dealing with that sort of thing every day. Like you can't even go to the store without people trying to hound you. It's the price of fame, man. Now I see why he likes to stay inside all the time. <laughs> now you see why Kobe likes to stay inside all the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You're like. Well, I mean, now, I mean, once he, once he retired, I think he was out more, but he, it's crazy. Totally crazy. Uh, but let's, uh, if you can flip switches here real quick, I, I did want to get to uh, your favorite topic, Ace, college football. Oh, and the lack thereof? <laughs> well, it's a lack thereof right now because it's just not time, but there's some people talking about that, some colleges or some leagues might play while the some conferences or some teams may not play. And there's a big question about whether or not they're going to play with fans or no fans. Now we know college football itself, those first games aren't until the end of August, right before, you know, Labor Day or, la- or at least that Labor Day weekend. Right. That's still relatively what? Um, two and a half, almost three months away, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Huh? About three and a half months. Yeah. So even if you push, so do you think that, you know, it would be a smart idea if they have college football, which in my opinion, I think that some will and some won't, um, without any fans in the stadiums? Well, I can only speak about the school I follow extremely close, and that's WVU. Um West Virginia already said that they're going to open up the campus for fall for uh, the fall semester. So with that being said, if they already saying they open up fall semester, if they're going to allow students, they're going to allow football. So I have to assume that these conferences are going to play games, but I would think either they're going to play games with very minimal crowds or they're going to play games with no crowds at all. I think they're going to try to do it where they stagger the crowds in, make sure that they're six feet apart. And I don't know how, you know, 
you go from a 55,000 stadium to maybe having 10 or 15,000 fans. But how do they identify what fans let in? Obviously, they're not going to let students in because students, they don't make no money by letting students in. They get in for free. So they want to sell as many tickets as they want to, even though the tuition pays for their ticket, obviously. But, you know, they want that additional money. Their additional money is to come in from uh, from fans across the state to come in and, and, and watch the team. But honestly, I think just from the fear, you're going to find that those who are willing to go to games, because I, I, I participate in the message board. And some of the guys that are there are talking about, do they buy their flights to go down to Atlanta because West Virginia is playing Florida State in Atlanta for the Chick-fil-A pickoff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are like, ooh, do I buy the flight? You know, because what if they don't play the game? Well, they announced they're going to play the game. But now they're like, well, damn, Georgia didn't open, you know, open the state back up. The cases are back up on the rise. Do I want to be down in Georgia with all this going on, not knowing that I could possibly put myself at risk for getting infected? So... I think if I had to guess, I think they'll play, but I think they'll play without fans or very minimal fans. And those fans who are willing, depending on where the game is, it's not going to be willing enough to put themselves at risk to actually go to the game itself. And they'd much rather just watch it on TV. To be honest, I kind of agree with you. Um, I just don't I, – I, it's more so the fact that I just don't see fans um, completely there yet as far as attending. Um, so it's going to be kind of difficult for them if they open it up for stands, um, for the fans. It's going to be kind of difficult to get to bring them in. Um, the question is going to be then now, how would you bring them in? Um, maybe offer discounts on tickets, um, to at least for the start of it. Um, could be an option. But I just don't see fans at that stage where everybody's okay to just willing to go back out, um, especially to participate in sporting events. Um, especially when they don't know how other people were doing during this whole time, what they were doing. So I think the nervousness is going to still be there. Um, I think it's going to take a little bit more time before you'll see more people comfortable, comfortably coming out and supporting. Um, but not, I mean, not just West Virginia, of course, but right. also all college football in general. Yeah, I'm with you. I think there's probably going to be – I think how the environment of the country looks as far as cases and everything by the time you hit end of July, early August is probably going to be, uh, I think, a really good indicator on how colleges are going to approach that. Because by that time, a lot of schools are going to start, you know, letting students back in on campus come beginning to mid-August. So that, I think, would kind of be the early barometer. But I'm with you guys. I think there's going to be a lot of hesitation even if you let's say you're in a state like west virginia where the numbers have not been that high and then you know as other places i think like you said they're still probably they're going to go with football limited amount at first but i think people are probably going to take a wait and see approach mm-hmm. and see how those first two or three games go at least maybe that first month and seeing if you're seeing any kind of numbers rise or drop um but I think if it's numbers are really, really low and are dropping by end of September going into October, I think you're going to start getting a lot more people more, maybe more willing to go. But like you said, maybe not willing to buy that flight. Maybe they'll drive, <laughs> right. but they might not be willing to drop that money just to find out a week before someone come, you know, you know, test is positive. But, you know, I think it's all going to be how much testing they can do how the numbers are looking by the time you hit beginning of August, it's probably going to definitely tell the sign of college football, but I'm I'm agree with you. There's going to be a lot of the power conferences are going to definitely try to run football. I mean, even if some schools are not, I think overall the power five are going to run with who they can run with. Let me, let me throw a crazy scenario at you guys. What if they say, okay, they recognize that people don't want to come to the game. But what if they know that 55,000 will go to a game, but they know 1.3 million to watch the TV, watch the game on TV. What do you think if conferences will sit there and say, 
we charge you five dollars to watch the game on TV. Depending on the game. And then turn around and say, what if it's Alabama versus, I don't know, some SEC team, top quality. Then if you really want to watch the game, then it's 15 or $20 to watch the game. Schools will sit there and split the profit 50-50 because they're not going to get concessions. They won't get these sort of things. Do you think fans would be willing to go that route? They're putting all the games behind paywalls now. How, uh, how badly are people willing to watch? That would be... Cheaper than buying a ticket. I could see some conference doing that. That would be a ridiculously PR nightmare. Mm-hmm. But you would. But could you see people doing? It? Yeah. Could you, could you see yourself spending three dollars to watch a Rutgers game? Just three dollars. No. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, you gotta. All right, but I mean, well, service turn to you. Can you? Will you spend three dollars for a West Virginia game? Yeah, because I'm a fan. Because I mean, I look at it like I wouldn't even spend. I couldn't even spend three dollars at a stadium to buy something. Maybe a water. But who are you paying though? Are you paying West Virginia? Or are you paying? I mean, how would that go about it? I, I would think that well, whoever's broadcasting it would have to set up the uh, the fee, and then the schools would have to negotiate the payout through whoever broadcasts. How do you do that? I mean, there will have to be regional games because you're getting games exactly. on the regular networks of ESPN. I mean, yeah, you're paying cable for that. So why I'm going to pay – it's like almost paying for pay-per-view. I mean, um, sure. why would I want to pay for – I can opt not to pay for pay-per-view unless it's something – that I am not going to be able to, like, it's a heavyweight fight. I'm not going to see heavyweight fights on CBS, ABC, CNN. I'm not going to see all those fights. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to see a heavyweight fight for $100, well, $70-whatever for that one night. Some people will pay for that because they want to see just that one fight. But if I'm going to have all these other football games on the networks, I'm not paying $3 for Rutgers when I can watch a much more competitive game on one of these other networks and but, not pay extra on top of what I'm already paying. But so if you, no, but I'm saying like what you could do is probably bundle it up from the conference standpoint. And um, for those, I mean, if I'm, I mean, if I'm the network or if I'm, to be honest, if I'm the conference, I will bundle that package instead of just isolating it from one particular, like a, a one college and, you know, their fans from one college, I will bundle it together because to be honest, you'll get the most of people watching the games if they're in there playing against their respective teams in their respective conferences, don't you think? Well, you... We sitting here thinking business aspects for the conferences. The problem is, is that you have... The problem is you already have TV networks already televised some games, so it's... I get what you're saying, Ace, but... For you, like a West Virginia fan, I mean, um, if you're in West Virginia, do you get to see those TVs on like the regional network? Like, see, a, a lot of times West Virginia games have either been uh, broadcast on either ESPN or Fox, Fox Sports, every weekend, right? Yeah, so I was able to watch all the games free, but the Big Twelve entered in agreement with ESPN to broadcast games on ESPN Plus, which the major games, and they started doing that with some of the basketball games this past season. Everybody knows West Virginia, Kansas is a pretty big basketball game. Mm-hmm. Both of those games were behind the paywall. In order for me to watch it, I had to spend the $5 a month for ESPN+. Plus. So Big 12, the Big 12 is already doing it. Now think about the Big 10 already has the Big 10 network, but then they turn around and put premium games behind a paywall. It's going to happen. If they can't get people in the stands, they're going to yeah. find a way to get their paper. Of course. Like I, like I said, I get it, I, uh, but like I said, I preference it. It would be a PR nightmare because then it, it, you really show just how, you know, for profit all these conferences are, and then it'll show that mm-hmm. disparity about, yeah, you're not really student athletes because now you're going to charge me. I'm paying the cable bill to see some Big 12 games on ESPN, but now – I got to pay a little extra to see a specific game, you know, 
through that through that network on top of what I'm paying to already see a normal regular conference game on on Big 12. Some people will say, yeah, if that's their team and they're really fanatical about it. You, but mm, that's tricky. But not, on, but, but not only that, because if you do that, it also means that you know eventually the players is going to gripe about it, which means the players is going to have a good argument and a good chance to want to get paid. And I think that's really – I don't see the conferences really going stepping out of that element yet. But I can see the players have a, a distinct argument and a gripe about it because now it's just another opportunity for the conferences and the universities to get paid um, when the fans are not there, but yet players are not going to get paid. They're not going to see one red cent from that. But see, but that's what the NCAA just, uh, just passed that rule where players can get paid based on their likeness. Yes. Well, no, I'm talking about, but I'm talking about as far as TV, the 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 the, the payroll behind, you know, this whole thing. Whether if the conferences start televising it some way, shape, or form, or all conferences start televising it, uh-huh. there's going to be more gripe for more of an argument for players to get paid for the televised games. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, I can I can see it. I mean, um, happening. Um, not a. I can see what you're saying, Ace. I can see somebody trying that, and there's definitely going to be that that, that need for it because um, they want to see the game. But I guess if you live in that state and you're going to get those state games, you know, like I'm in New Jersey, and if I'm living up in South North Jersey, I can get those Rutgers games, whatever channel is on, because Brock gets them all the time. Mm-hmm. This is say whether it's a Big Ten or some other conference. But if I'm like in Florida and I want to see a Rutgers game, I know I can't see it. If I really want to see it, and yeah, I'm gonna pay for it. But if I'm not that pressed, somebody will. I, and I guess with the uh, with the Big 12's allegiance to ESPN Plus, you know, you throw in there with all of the the premium content, the 30 for 30, and all the other crap that you can kind of get in there. Plus, they also start broadcasting other of the the other tiered sports like the. Uh, baseball, softball, wrestling, all the other sports you don't necessarily see on TV, you get access to those things as well. I guess that's the way they kind of, for five more dollars, you can have all of this. Plus, you get to watch, you know, West Virginia, Kansas play basketball. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, but that's where, and, and that's where I think another three to five years down the line, that's where you're going to start undercutting some of those major TV networks because if you can sit there and host something on you know, ESPN Plus, there was the need of re- and get a paid a, a lot more money and cut out the middleman. Mm-hmm. Why well, don't want to put my games on primarily on, you know, CBS where they have you know SEC or you know Fox or you know NBC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's a matter of time before M- uh, Notre Dame gets out of that contract with NBC that exclusive contract because NBC is going to want some other people's money. They, they'll probably try to jump and take some of those group of five uh, conferences because they're going to, the power five is going to price their way out. And they know that they can sit there and pay, pay the, the Atlantic, uh, the, the American conference or maybe conference USA half the amount of money just to be on national network. They had their games broadcast. So, I mean, you'll always see something. It'll just be lesser quality of, uh, of football. You know, but hey, but it's enough a, at this stage, <laughs> right? We, I, hell, I take some wrestling for all I give a damn if I know it was, it was live and it was something good to watch, yeah, without question. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. I mean, we can sit here and discuss the last dance and college football and the landscape of sports pretty much all damn night, but we have gone way past our time. You know, just time flies when you really just deep into the discussion and kind of enjoying what you're talking about. But with that being said, fellas, where can folks find you? Chilling with my mini Afro. Um, <laughs> Snapchat and the gram, J.E. Ross, number seven, and Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. And you can find me on Twitter at CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. All right, fellas. Well, I... Right. Appreciate just another Wednesday coming out here just discussing uh, what little there is to talk about in sports. <laughs> we we 
didn't even touch the Korean baseball that's being played on ESPN, but we'll talk about that another time. Uh, <laughs> Not like we're going to stand to watch it anyway. Nor will we even understand what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, to everybody out there, we thank you for tuning in and supporting and doing all that great stuff. Uh, you can find us pretty much everywhere. I'm not even going to sit there and talk about it and say where you can find us. You've heard us say it a million times, but we just want you to stay safe. Uh, practice social distancing. Make sure you wear your mask everywhere you got to go. And if you do decide that you want to go outside and have a nice time and walking somewhere, just be mindful of your, your fellow man. Wear your mask. Don't get caught up there and have a situation what happened up in Flint, Michigan. Such an unfortunate situation just because have your daughter put on a mask and we all saw the aftermath. So please stop the violence. Just adhere to the laws. Stay safe. We'll get past this whole thing. It's actually coming into place. But I'm not here to talk politics and I'm not here to talk about COVID. Oh, that crap every day. So, with that being said, stay safe. Have a great night. Until next week to another episode of Guys Don't Talk.